Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, my God! You want a podcast? Great. We have some audio on your website that nobody goes to. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, it's your mother's favorite part of the week, right? <laughs> the Anik and Florian Podcast. Monday, December 23rd, 2019, episode 230 of the Anik and Florian podcast and our final episode of 2019. Kempfo looks like he, I don't know if you're dressed up. I mean, you look a lot better than me. I have no real fashion sense, but it seems like there's product in your hair, very nice necklace around your neck, uh, jean jacket that's probably <laughs> not cheap. Uh, you look good. <laughs> Thanks. It's the Anik and Florian podcast. Of course I'm going to dress up. I mean, actually, I'm probably going with uh, my daughter later to go see uh, Santa Claus. So okay. take some pictures. So I, I got to look good. All right. You know, of course, you good shots with Santa Claus. And, you know, your public figures every time you go out, you know, my <laughs> wife's always banging on me when uh, the rare instance in which I get recognized and I'm wearing I just dress like a total fucking bum down. Here. <laughs> well, they you always know. see you in a suit. If you're not wearing a suit, you're like, what the hell? You know what I mean? It's like a mind blowing thing. Yeah, you're right. I, you know, Reebok sends me sweatpants. I cut them and like that's what I wear out. It's just a total <laughs> mess. It's really embarrassing, actually. You know, the only uh, thing, my only saving grace is that my twin brother, uh, as Ian Parker, who who joins us live now, can attest, dresses like a bum, too. So it's like it's in our DNA. <laughs> if we don't have to look proper, we really don't. Um, right. All right. So Ian Parker's going to join Jew- us off the top of it. I think it's a Jewish thing because I, I love Team Sweatpants. I'm all about yeah, it. Yeah, no, right. Now, it very well could be uh, a Jewish thing because, yeah, you don't, you're not dressed to the nines when we go out for coffee, and I appreciate that. So uh, Ian Parker's going to be with us off the top today. Uh, 
in some part because we want to announce that uh, the winner of the 2019 main event challenge uh, is Kenny Florian. He won what? in 2018, and, and Ken Flo takes the main event challenge again, 155-153, I believe, Ooh. the final. Ken Flo, I wanted Ian Parker to be here for, for the congratulations. Uh, outstanding job. You were in, a, in an early hole, obviously, a real big hole three or four months in against a lot of our listeners, and uh, obviously you, uh, you rallied and you win again, my man. I tip my cap to you. Thank you very much. Don't count out your boy who was down by a significant margin. Amazing. Uh, early part of the year. Sure. And uh, boy, work. did I come back. <laughs> boy, did I come back. We're talking 15 or 20 points early in the year. Ian, uh, valiant effort out of you, obviously. You were neck and neck for the most part there with the flow. The only thing I'll say, right, and because I don't like to interfere with the with, with team annex selection as Ian Parker as our head man. You're the front man. Might be team Parker next year. I haven't decided what we're going to do with the little fucking bit that we play. But you got to go Charles Air Jordan. If your main event challenge life is on the line, right, it's a math equation at this point, Ian, right? I mean, how do you not go Charles Air Jordan? Well, I'll tell you why. So, number one, winning with Pantoja put me within how many points? One or one point or two points, right? And then, well, but you also had you had Uzdemir by decision, though. You and you had Uzdemir by decision as well, right? So right. that so, you got so an that, extra point for that. Right. So I don't. So be, here, here's the only thing that kind of sucked. I wanted to text you. I didn't think you were awake though to ask what the score was after the Uzdemir fight. Um. Here's the thing, because if Jordan would have lost, okay, and Uzdemir would have won by not unanimous decision, no matter what I did in the main event, I wouldn't have had a chance. But because Uzdemir won by decision, having Frankie in the main event gave me an opportunity to win. That's, so that's the only thing, um, you know? So after Pantoja and Uzdemir by decision, it was tied 153 apiece oh, going into it. the main event. That's fucked up, man. So you could have gone you. Korean Zombie oh. round one knockout and thereby would have completed an epic comeback. So, but again, I, I digress. It was close. It goes to Ken Flo. <laughs> I just think that if it is this close, right, because we were very fortunate for the sake of the main event challenge that it was this close in 2019. So next year, if it's this close, whoever's down, I mean, you got to really be in communication at whatever hour on the final day of the UFC count. And, and absolutely, fault. I mean, you, know you make a great point. And you make a great point as far as how Superboy, Korean Superboy matched up against Air Jordan. He has a tendency of just throwing down the other kid, really tough kid from Canada. He likes to throw down as well. Ended up getting it done. And uh, I squeaked out a victory. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm pretending win. like I'm cocky, but uh, I, I, I snuck out of there with the win. I got no, it's a win. It's been a lot of winning for Ken Flo, fourth quarter 2019. Jiu-Jitsu podiums, the Anakin Florian Podcast <laughs> main event challenge. Uh, so as far as the punishment is concerned, right? So Ken Flo back in the day, 2015, lost the main event challenge and owes me four hours of babysitting. He didn't make good on that. Last year, I think I owe Kenny a power hour, right? It's so. True. A lot of our listeners are like, can you guys like start paying these things off? I mean, I certainly paid off one of these. The Vegemite sandwich uh, was a forgettable experience, right? So we're going to throw out one punishment apiece, which leaves us with the stakes of the 2019 main event challenge. So Ian and I have to make good on something. So we'll open it up to the listeners at Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. What should the punishment be for me and Ian Parker? We're not going to French kiss. Like, if you want me to peck him on the lips, and that's good enough, great. But... If you have an idea oh, as to what we should put <laughs> ourselves through, 
feel free to chime in at Anna Florian Pod. Uh, but as far as the fight is concerned, because we do need to move on, Ken Flo, the Korean yes. zombie Chan Sung Jung by first round TKO against Frankie Edgar. The fight lasted three minutes and 18 seconds. Total domination from the Korean zombie. Frankie just couldn't get untracked at all. I kind of agreed with Ian Parker's assessment that for Frankie to take this fight twice, they seem to like something in the matchup, especially to take it this second time on short notice. I didn't love the matchup for him. I didn't think it would be this quick a fight, but uh, it goes to the Korean zombie. Your thoughts on the main event this weekend? I didn't love the matchup for him as well. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big Frankie Edgar fan and a guy who has believed in him for a long time now, but. Uh, I didn't love that fight, especially on short notice. I, I think uh, Korean Zombie is one of those really dangerous fighters uh, and has no regard for his own safety at all. He's willing to do whatever it takes uh, to get you out of there. Uh, he doesn't want to just beat you. Uh, he wants to stop you, and, and that is a very dangerous man. Um, I, I think that he was pretty dominant early on. I just don't think that Frankie Edgar um, was able to get his footwork going uh, enough to to get out of harm's way. He was uh, the, the problem when you fight someone like uh, Korean Zombie is he is hittable, and you think well, he's right there, he's right there in front of me, and he does that to lure you into the pocket so he can just trade, and ultimately he landed a big shot on Frankie. Uh, it was actually a pretty short shot that clipped him right on the chin. Frankie wasn't able to uh, to get his bearings in there, and uh, you know Korean Zombie was just all over him because of it. And what did you think of the Korean Zombie? And uh, would you agree with my assessment that on any given Saturday night he can he can beat any featherweight in the world, including the new champ Volkanovski? <laughs> yeah, you know it's funny we go back to Frankie real quick. The question is, would Frankie have done? And I love Frank Yeager. Obviously, I was really hoping he'd bring this home, but listen, he's a legend. Regardless, this was no easy task for him. And he got tagged early. You know, that's the thing. Frankie is susceptible to getting tagged early, and he did, and Zombie doesn't stop. But you know what? Would, that, would, would he have done better against Corey Sandhagen? I, I don't know. Um, you know, but Zombie looked great. Listen, under his new coach, Eric, you know, he just he looked more composed which I think we haven't seen out of Zombie. You know, Zombie's usually a little bit more wild, and he, he wasn't. His striking was just super crisp, and the power he carries that weight class, it's scary. And for a guy who's not overly active, like, at all, it just doesn't ever seem like that phases him like other fighters. I know we're talking about guys like Dominic Cruz that are special, that can fight once in a while. Zombie's one of those guys. And imagine if we saw an active, healthy Zombie, but now I just, you know, is he not getting eye surgery, right? So he's going to be out for a little bit, but... uh he looked fantastic, and fantastic. And John, to your point, yeah, on any given night, if he lands on anybody in that weight division, lights out. You know, and that includes the new champ, Alexander Volkanovsky, even though super tough guy as well, could eat some shots. I, I just, I think a shot from the Korean zombie is just way different at that weight class. You know, I don't know the extent to which Volkanovski would, would be able to work volume takedowns and his wrestling against the Korean Zombie. I certainly think it'd be a fun striking engagement if those two were to uh, collide. But I do think at any given time, the Korean Zombie feels like he's one win away in an eliminator-type spot from from getting that championship opportunity once again. So uh, amazing to think what his career would have been without the military service. I know that's a popular sort of part of the narrative when it comes to his career, but it's hard to talk about it without bringing that up. Uh, Ken Flon, the other side, Frankie Edgar, you know, I don't know if he'll be afforded the opportunity to to make this quick turn and fight Corey Sandhagen January 25th at Bantamweight. Uh, I think some people internally would probably advise against it. I mean, undeniably a, a future first ballot Hall of Famer, a legend, of course. Uh, but what do you think the, uh, the future holds for, for the Iron Army's Frankie Edgar? You know, I, I just saw something. Oh, it said 
So it does. It, it's confirmed. This is from uh, Elias Cepeda. Uh, Frank Edgar receives medical suspension, um, so he's off the UFC Raleigh card. But I so, don't know if that's well because yeah. remember Derek Lewis made a quick turn, right? They can they can okay. shorten those. They have a way right. of shortening those medical suspensions. But I'm glad you brought that up. So. Yeah, it, it's tough. I mean. Yeah, he, he could he could come back and turn around. The only thing is the fight being at 135 pounds and the fact that he did take a lot of shots, it's going to be difficult. I, I, I know it's possible. He was not knocked out cold, so that's he has that going. But um, that that's another tough fight. I, I think Frankie Edgar, the, the good thing is, and, and why he took this fight at 145 pounds is he did know that ultimately he would compete at 135 pounds. He, so he kind of had nothing to lose uh, taking this fight on short notice, knowing that he would ultimately go down to 35. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, this fight against Sanhagen is not easy if he does take it. And coming off of, you know, this TKO, I don't love that for him. Yeah. When we're talking about safety of the fighter, I would prefer for him not to take it. Just let his body bounce back. Maybe they can rebook him in Sanhagen. Uh, on the next card, or maybe another month from now, or whatever, right. give him a few more weeks to recover. But um, not to mention, he has to make that weight as well. So that's not going to be easy coming back. But um, I think Frankie can definitely uh, do well at 135 pounds. I, I, I hate saying this about fighters, but um, you know that you do see a little bit of a decline in Frankie's game as far as. He doesn't have that same kind of speed and spunk, I think, that he had right. before. That's a good way to put it. Um, but uh, obviously, with all of his experience and his toughness, uh, you know, I, again, he's a guy who will give a lot of elite 135-pound fighters a very difficult time. You're absolutely right, though. Not a lot of downside in taking that fight against Chan Sung Jung, knowing yep. that your future is going to be down 10 pounds at 135 pounds. And if it's up to Frankie, I bet he wants to fight January 25th in the co-main event against Corey Sandhagen. We'll Crazy. see if he uh, is afforded that opportunity. What do you think, Ian Parker, long-term, short-term for, uh, for Frankie? Well, I think if he would have beaten Zombie, um, I think they might have potentially offered him a title shot at Volkanowski. Maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know, because... I just don't know what if the risk was really worth the reward because to Kenny's point, he's always you know the whole goal is to get to thirty five, and I, I don't even though he wasn't knocked out cold, I, I think it'd be a terrible thing to do to Frankie, turn him around in a month and have him fight a guy like Corey, it, especially again going into a new weight class, throwing him right into the fire that way. Not that Frankie couldn't do it, but I just think there's other there's better matchups. Like I would ra even though Frankie and Uriah Faber have already fought, I think I'd rather see Frankie fight Uriah as his first fight at one thirty five. Yeah. You know, just to get his feet wet, you know, get healthy, have the weight cut. And I think Faber is way more beatable than a Corey Sanhagen right now. You know, he just, in, in all due respect, yeah. I think that would be a better matchup for him. I'd rather see Corey Sanhagen maybe fight Marlon Marais, you know, and then have them do, or Piotr Jan, uh, only because, again, I don't see the upside. This is kind of like with Piotr Jan beating Faber, what I said. I, I just, the whole ranking situation here. Um, for Frankie, I, I am... I'm curious about what was really his reasoning, what, to main event at 45. But if he had won, what would have happened? I don't know, man. I, I think January 25th is just too soon for Frankie Edgar to come back, especially as a monster in Corey Sanhagen. Yeah, and, and a lower Sanhagen, weight class, to Kenny's point. Sanhagen's, Sanhagen's almost six feet tall. He's, he's five foot 11, 135 yeah. pounds. It's crazy. 
Ian, I think you overstate the risk a little bit, though, for Frankie, right, as we sort of outlined. And I don't think in any way, shape, or form he was going to be afforded a championship opportunity. Even if he had upset the Korean zombie, he wouldn't leapfrog the consensus greatest featherweight of all time, Max Holloway, and take away his likely immediate rematch. And Frankie just fought for the featherweight belt at UFC 240. So I think they have, they've given Frankie a lot of opportunities. Obviously, he's maximized a lot of them. Some recently he hasn't. But, uh, yeah, total legend. And, and Kenny, maybe... You know, who knows with the travel, right? I mean, if you really want to look at this big picture, it was just traveling really far for maybe a mid-training camp sparring session that didn't go particularly well, right? If you chalk it up to that, it's really not that big a deal, you know? Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Frankie Edgar, but congrats to the Korean Zombie. Very much a featherweight factor now, and uh, I think he'll probably fight for the title at some point in 2020. We shall see. Uh, Ian, we'll start with you on the co-main event, Volkan Uzdemir, Alexander Rakic, obviously an entertaining fight. Uh, Close flights, split decision goes Volkan's way, and I know a lot of people happy to see him get a split uh, given the Dominic Reyes result. What would you think of the co-main there in Busan? Uh, First off, I want to ask you guys, have you ever seen a leg that looked like Rakic's leg the way it did. It looked like he had another knee on his knee. It was gross. Um, Brutal. I've never seen swelling like that in that part of the leg, ever. Uh, You know what? Kenny and I were going back and forth about this offline, you know, with this fight. I just, again, this is what I thought was going to happen. I I kind of, after seeing with Johnny Walker with all the hype against Corey Anderson, someone in Uzdemir who's had a lot of experience, fought top guys, a smart fighter, you know, after the first round, just kind of got his rhythm, just was first, and you know, Rakic isn't done. He's young. He could come back, obviously. But this was great for Vulcan Uzdemir to not be used as essentially a gatekeeper. You know, beating Latifi in right. a performance of the night the way he did and beating a, a, a highly touted prospect, it kind of gets him back into the top part of the division where I think he does belong. <laughs> and, you know, Kenny and I were joking about how we were surprised each one took him based on the hype train. But there was just something about it. There's just something about experience when you get to a certain level of division that can't be discounted. And this fight really proved that. So I was happy for Volk yeah, as well. I thought he had rounds two and three. Yeah, Kenny, I like the way Vulcan has developed. I mean, this seems to be a completely different version than the guy that fought Daniel Cormier for the title a few years ago. Uh, any thoughts for us on the co-main? Well, you know, we knew that he could respond to adversity. And if he's, you know, behind on the cards or dealing with, you know, getting hurt during a fight, we knew of his ability to come right back hurt you even get the knockout himself but this to me was uh, a great study in composure and calmness uh, Uzdemir just seemed like you know even if he wasn't doing great in the round it almost seemed like he was winning the round just based on his ability to continue to move forward he was picking away at that leg um, and you know it, it just seemed like he was going to or was in control of that yeah, fight I agree with was that. heading to win that by decision even though Rakic was really landing some big shots I, I think that for Rakic I, I think the difference was composure. He wasn't as settled during the fight. He seemed to be nervous. He was a little jittery out there. Um, and Uzdemir just seemed to be very calm and composed and um, was landing the right shots at the right time. And this was a huge win for him. I think Rocket showed a lot uh, in this fight as far as his potential as a fighter. Yeah. I think experience and composure really was the difference in this one. He will be back stronger. I think he'll be back sharper. I definitely think he's st- still someone to watch, but um, I-, I think just the fact that Uzi has been in there with guys like Daniel yeah. Cormier, that counts for so much. When you get a fight against someone like that and you get a, a few rounds under your belt, you- you're going to learn a ton as a fighter. 
and Reyes and Latifi and everybody else. Yes. And uh, I do like Rockets' frame for this division. Think he's got a lot of ability. I like that he he goes for it early or seems to a lot of the time. All right, Ian. Anything else on this Korea uh, card before we put it to bed? Charles Air, Jordan, and and Duho Choi in the fight of the night. Obviously, the flyweights Alessandre Pantoja with a big knockout against Matt Schnell to put himself back in contention. Uh, any closing thought on Korea before we move it along, kid? Uh, no, just I will tell you, it was pretty challenging to stay awake. Uh, didn't go to sleep early, stayed up. Uh, I fell asleep oh, at 4 o'clock really? in the morning, and uh, that was tough. That was tough. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I woke up no, early to was, watch. The card, the card was actually a really exciting card. Yeah, I woke up early to watch the main card, but more often than not, I'm I'm up around that time. But 2 a.m. Eastern prelims weren't happening. Ken Flo, did you just watch it after the fact? That would be tough for the West Coasters, I would think. Yeah, I, I happened to get up. I think I had to take my dog out really early, so I was like, you know what? The, the fights are on. So I watched, I think, the last three fights at like, yeah, five-something in the morning. Yeah. Four, yeah. All, right. All right, well, a good show, and... Uh, Good moment there for uh, the Korean zombie there in Busan. Seemed to be a pretty electric atmosphere. And and that puts to rest 2019 for the MMA leader. I think it was 41 shows, more fights than ever before. Uh, nod to everybody, all the fighters. Just an incredible uh year and output and we are going to pay it tribute uh the fifth annual afpa awards if you don't know it's the anakin florian podcast award i think tj came up with afpas so fifth annual afpas are going to be monday january 6th so we got 10 categories and we're just going to rifle through some of these categories try to get some loose nominations out there and we'll have two weeks to determine the winners but uh this is always an exciting time and this was obviously a huge year let us begin with Rookie of the Year, boys. And uh, this is a little bit tricky because the fighter must have debuted in the UFC in 2019. So had a lot of talent come into the UFC fourth quarter of 2018. Guys like Sadiq Youssef, not under consideration here. So Rookie of the Year in 2019, Ken Flo. And any names come to mind in terms of your nominations? Well, you know, um, I, I got to say Jair Rosenstrike uh, yeah. has to be the guy. Um, not, only did his, not only did he officially make his debut in 2019, which is kind of crazy considering he just knocked out Alistair Overeem, but he went undefeated for the year, um, won a huge fight and a comeback win over uh, one of the biggest stars uh, in UFC heavyweight uh, history uh, in Alistair Overeem. And um, the fact he was able to get it done in that manner, in that kind of violent manner, I think he, he's got to be the leading candidate right now for me. Yeah, you got to think, Ian, that if, if there was a true voting body and you had to determine this based on a specific criteria, 4-0 for Rosenstrike kind of distances him from the competition. You know, I would make a nomination for Greg Hardy, big picture, even though he went 2-2 two and two with one no contest, right? If your criteria is a guy making his debut in the UFC and you're looking at upside or I don't know, I'm just saying the guy made five UFC starts in 2019. He won two of them. There was obviously some controversy. There was inhalers and no contests and a bunch of bullshit, but I don't know that I like Rosenstrike ceiling exponentially more than I like Greg Hardy's right now. I'm just saying. I know he's got much more kickboxing chops and potential. Uh, Ian, a couple other names I'll throw your way. I know you brought up Cyril Ghana off air, 3-0 and in the UFC. Grant Dawson, a guy who I think deserves a nomination, 2-0 and there out of Missouri. Crone Gracie lost a fight. Felicia Spencer lost a fight. Uh, you know, I think Viviani Adaujo, two and one in the UFC, just lost a fight to Jessica I. Ben Askren, one and two. Uh, Amanda Hebas, I think, is uh, is a worthy nominee. Yeah, two I, and zero. Oh. That's a name I was going to throw out there. Absolutely. 
So what do you think? I mean, am I missing anybody for Rookie of the Year, kid? No, I mean, honestly, I, I think there's such a, a difference between a Rosenstrike and then even a guy like a Chase Hooper type of thing or even like a Ganga, only because I think when it comes to the Rookie of the Year, you know, obviously it's hard to find guys that literally debut in 19 and have such a huge impact. And no one other than Rosenstrike, I think, really checks up all the boxes to where he is to date. And now, on top of that, let's even throw out there who he's got coming up on his calendar in Francis Ngannou, you know? So... There's no one else out of all the names we listed. Granted, all great names. They've all done their job. Awesome debuts for the year. Uh, I, I think Rosen Strike is the unanimous one. Not that we're giving away the award right now, but in this category, yeah. no one else is anywhere near him and what he's done in this year. All right, honorable mention to Sean Woodson, Brad Riddell, a couple of featherweights who made their UFC debuts this year. But the nominees are going to be Jairzinho, Rosen Strike, Cyril Ghana, Grant Dawson, Amanda Hebos. And we'll throw Greg Hardy in there. Just see if the masses want to come at me a little bit for nominating Greg Hardy. <laughs> or, pure, or, or purely right. out of fear because John and I live near him. That's fine, too. Yeah, that's there it is. All right, breakout star of the year. You can go any direction you want here. I think Rosen strikes a guy who deserves consideration. Piotr Jan, Edmund Shabazian are the first two names that come to mind for me. You could even argue, Kenny, guys like Dominic Reyes or Shane Burgos or Walt Harris who have been around for a while but got to that next level in 2019 deserve consideration and any uh name on the tip of your tongue for breakout star of the year <sighs> all right uh, these are three these are you kind don't of like obvious. my category no okay. no i do i, I think okay. uh, first of all there's alexander volkanovsky who really quietly has come up here and become a world champion over max holloway a guy who everybody believed to be uh and probably is the best featherweight of all time um, I don't think people were considering him this star necessarily prior to 2019. So I, I think you have to have him in there. Um, Israel Adesanya, who I'll probably mention another few times, uh, kind of went from, uh, you know, a guy with a, a, a tremendous uh, potential to now being a world champion and doing it in a uh, tremendous fashion. I, I think you could call him, you know, he's on the upper echelon of stars now, but certainly a big jump up. Uh, in his stardom from 2018 to 2019. Um, so, I mean, those those are two guys that really come to mind. Henry Cejudo had a tremendous yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, he was already kind of a, a big deal, but, uh, you know, triple C. I'm telling you, triple fucking C. And, Ian, it really <laughs> doesn't matter which way you go with breakout star of the year. I think Volkanovski is a great consideration. Uh, when I threw this category your way early this morning, any name come to mind for you? Kenny, how did you leave out? Street Jesus, Game Bread, Jorge Masvidal, right. and that whole that, that, that was whole the other one. Damn it. And it's weird to say it, right? Because he's been around for freaking ever, but right. now he's on the but tip of everyone's tongue. That's tough. the definition, though, right? But that's right. the definition. Think about that, right? A guy who's been around forever today finally has the year of his career. He, you know, he beats Till. I don't know if that. I mean, I, I, I don't know if that was nineteen. That might have been later eighteen, but. You know, from beating Askren the way he did, best knockout of all time, then beating Nate Diaz the way he did. I mean, he's probably the biggest star in the UFC right now, which which is crazy. You know? One of, I mean, if that's a mainstream breakout, and what about also like Amanda Nunez? Yeah, I think she deserves consideration, too. I think ultimately when it comes you know, to... I mean, 
Her well, I, Cyborg, well, that was last year, right? I yeah, mean, she right. And 2018 yeah. obviously was a, was a big year for her, as was 2017, as was 2016. Yeah, but exactly. I do believe that when it comes to Jorge Masvidal and Israel Adesanya for our award show, for a lot of the award shows out there, it's just going to be about finding at least one trophy for both of those guys, whether you give them male we'll fighter of the year, that. breakout we'll star that. of the year. We'll find out a way because we all can't pick the same, right? So that is one one little caveat is that we can't all pick the same guy for these winners. All right. Breakout star of the year, loose nominee list, Edmund Shabazian, Pyotr Jan, Alexander Volkanovsky, Jorge Masvidal, and Henry Cejudo. All right. Robert Follis, cornerman slash coach of the year. Uh, this is our way of paying tribute to the late, great Robert Follis, who is a tremendous head coach and chief corner in his own right. Ken Flo, a lot of the usual usual suspects are going to walk away with this hardware. I mean, Mike Brown, I think, needs to be a part of this conversation annually. Safe Saud is going to get a lot of consideration this year. 19-5 and five for Fortis MMA inside the Octagon in 2019. Uh, and Eugene Behrman from City Kickboxing, you know, I think is going to be neck and neck with a lot of guys when it comes to the coach of the year. Ken Flo, we'll start with you, our Robert Follis corner man of the year for 2019. Who's the early lean go-to? You know, for me, I'm always looking for people that are doing things a little bit differently. And uh, when they come from a, a remote place like New Zealand, for me, Eugene Behrman has done tremendous work. I also like his philosophy of just really solidifying the fundamentals and understanding that it is this long process of learning. Don't just give them all these fancy tools that they don't know how to use. He's really big into creating a system that takes time to learn, that's really very much rooted in fundamentals, conceptual framework of how to strike properly, doing it safely, doing uh, things in, in a different manner. To me, that separates him from the pack. Uh, he has done tremendous things. You don't hear a, a whole lot about him. But when he's produced two world champions uh, in just a, a, a short few years, He's doing something over there that's a little bit more special than everybody else, in my opinion. And the fact that he's not recognized of having hundreds and hundreds of fighters from this right. area, that's different to me. And that's cool. Yeah, Ian, how do you argue against City Kickboxing as team of the year and Eugene Behrman as coach of the year when they produce two undisputed UFC world champions? Well, and they also had Dan Hooker over there, if I'm not incorrect, who's also rising yeah. the ranks at 55. So they, they, he really, he's done a phenomenal job. I, I, I mean, he was my pick. I know we spoke earlier. Um, I also think Henry Cejudo's coach is a name that should be mentioned. You know, he's got two double champs in two different organizations. Obviously, he also, if I'm correct, coaching the Korean Zombie. You know, he's got some other guys at the end of the year. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm all over Eugene Behrman in this one as well. I just think what he's done. To Kenny's point, with a small, with a, I don't know if you want to call it a smaller team, but in the matter of a year, he has dethroned two different divisions, one of them having a goat at 45, and what Israel Adesanya has done, he, I mean, he's a megastar. So, kind of hard to really argue there. Uh, I agree with you with Mike Brown as well. He always has to be in the conversation. I mean, it's, you know, American Top Team's a great stable. So, yeah, the, the, I think those picks are uh, pretty solid. I'm glad you brought up the captain, Eric Albaracin. He does not get any credit in our award show for uh, the Pitbull brothers, but uh, certainly gets a nomination for Coach of the Year. He's absolutely outstanding. I think Santino DeFranco and, and Eddie Cha, the other guys in the corner of the Korean Zombie. Actually, I don't think Santino was there, but uh, there are a lot of great coaches. This is a tricky category. Um, loose nominations are going to be Mike Brown, Eugene Behrman, Safe Saud, Duke Rufus, 
Eric Albarastin, and Trevor Whitman for our 2019 Robert Fallis Coach of the Year. Trevor Whitman's my broadcast party. Got to throw Trevor there. All right. <laughs> Upset of the year. So Joe Osborne told us on the Anakin Florian podcast last week that underdogs in the UFC hit at a 36% clip overall in 2019. Uh, that was higher than the NBA. That was 31%. The NFL, 33.6%. Those are 2018 numbers. Uh, and also higher than the UFC total of underdogs, which was 34.5% in 2018. That being said... I didn't find that many huge betting underdogs, Ian, that uh, that cashed in the plus 650 range like Kama Worthy. Kama Worthy, if you don't know, shortest of notice against not just a former training partner, but his guy, his dude, his friend, Devontae Smith, plus 650, statistically, from a betting perspective, biggest betting underdog of the year. For me, he's the going away winner of upset of the year. I know I'm sort of getting ahead of the award show in two weeks but who else are we even talking about ian for uh for upset of the year in 2019 well i have a couple of interesting ones because it's ones that we actually picked on the show and they were pretty heavy underdogs anthony pettis over stephen wonderboy thompson anthony pettis i believe was plus 410 uh when he landed that knockout i also picked him uh against kenny which lucky on that one I don't know if you want to consider this one, Masvidal over Darren Till. Masvidal was a big underdog in that fight. Um, you know, not not obviously comma worthy wise, but I'm you know trying to really find some of these heavy duty underdogs, and I think outside of worthy, Tennis might have been one of the bigger ones on the odds sheet, which is kind of interesting. So those were two yeah. other ones I was able to potentially throw out there. Ken Flo, that's good stuff, by the way, Ian. Yeah, Masvidal versus Till, I have written down. Certainly, Anthony Showtime Pettis against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was a, a big underdog. Kama Worthy out of Pittsburgh, PA, making his UFC debut. 20-1 to 1 to win that fight by knockout, plus 650. Uh, and he said to us when we sat down with him that Thursday that the familiarity... Uh, of fighting Devontae Smith might balance out the jitters. He was ready to go right out of the shoot. Uh, anything on upset of the year that we're missing? Comma worthy? You think Pettis, Masvidal? What else? You know, um, Pettis, uh, Pettis against uh, Wonder Boy is the one that really stands out to me. Um, you know, the the fact that he was losing that fight, the fact that he was going against one of the best strikers in UFC history, uh, and, and the fashion in which he pulled it off, I thought was was tremendous. Um, the other one that that might come to mind, and and correct me if I'm wrong, what what were the odds for Cejudo and Dillashaw? I just wrote down Cejudo against either guy, right? I okay, think they yeah. were close, but yeah, Cejudo versus Dillashaw, he had to close as the dog, right? Yeah, I, can, I, I, I would can, think I so. I can give you the odds on that if you want. Cejudo what was against Dillashaw was plus 130. Oh, not right. crazy. Not and against no, Rice, that... he was also plus 130, believe it or not, at closing. Yeah. Okay, so uh, maybe the, the odds might not uh, display it, but TJ Dillashaw was a guy yeah. who very few people thought would lose. They, they thought he was the guy to beat Demetrius Johnson, all these things, so... Um, you know, I think that that's worthy of it. Um, not crazy looking back on it, but, um, yep. you know, uh, uh, that was one of them. All right. So upset of the year nominees will be comma worthy. Anthony Showtime Pettis, Jorge Masvidal against Darren Till and Henry Cejudo against TJ Dillashaw. All right. Knockout of the year. Man, a lot of competition. Certainly one of the three of us is going to give it to Jorge Masvidal for the fastest knockout in UFC history against Ben Askren. Anthony Showtime Pettis against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, given the main event stakes, the welterweight division, the whole backdrop of that fight, certainly a nomination for Showtime. You had Valentina Shevchenko against Jessica I, Andrade against Nama Yunus with the slam. Nico Price had two knockout of the years for my money against James Vick and Tim Means. Kevin Lee against Gregor Gillespie. On and on we go. Ian Parker, we'll start with you. What am I missing? 
Alexander Rakic against Jim Nanua. That kick from hell. Oh, uh, was that 2019? I think yep. it was. That kick absolutely has to be put into the category. But all the ones you just mentioned, 100% should be loose dominations as well. That was the only one I saw that might have been missing. And Rosen's strike against Overeem, if you want to consider that, even though the ending was a little controversial there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, those those were the only two that I could think of that weren't mentioned in your in your list right there. Guys, guys, come on. Whitaker, Whitaker getting knocked out by Adesanya. That oh, was yeah. pretty Adesanya. spectacular. Yeah. That was slick as hell. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, this year was pretty crazy in regards to knockouts. We had a lot of dramatic ones in some big fights. Crazy. Uh, crazy fights overall. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you guys pretty much nailed it yeah. all. The, the Whitaker-Adesanya uh, knockout, I think, is the only one we forgot, really. Yeah, it's so... That's good stuff, and we're certainly going to nominate Israel Adesanya for Knockout of the Year and Rockets. Johnny Walker against Misha Serkunov, Valentina Shevchenko, Jessica Andrade, Nico Price times two. And what was interesting, when we did this for the UFC for, for a year-end award show that I think will be on UFC Fight Pass, you know, Bizpink chose Mosfidal against Till, not against Askren, which I think there is a, a strong argument sure. to be made that that was a, a better knockout in certain respects, right? The road... The stakes, the odds, everything else. So a uh, lot of competition for knockout of the year. Submission of the year, Ken Flo. I would defer to you on this. I think Bryce Mitchell turns in a twister in the month of December. Uh, that's going to win him a lot of trophies. I don't know if you consider stakes. If you do, Habib Nurmagomedov against Dustin Poirier comes to mind for me. Um, it just depends on how you want to approach the category. For me, I've seen a handful of twisters. The way Bryce Mitchell did that five feet in front of my face, he's getting the trophy for me in two weeks. Well, you, you know, those are two of the definite uh, leading candidates. The other one that I would slip in there uh, with Damian Maia's performance against Lyman Good. For anyone who is out there looking at mixed martial arts and basically going to judge someone based on how they look and uh, Lyman Good looks like, you know, just a specimen of a human being. And you see Damian Maia out there with his dad bod. That's what the martial arts was all about, and you yep. can't underestimate anybody. He went out there, uh, ran across the octagon, jumped on his back, submitted him with the rear naked choke. I think it was maybe from the standing position. I don't know if they went back, but it was just tremendous. That, that's the other one that I would just throw in there. But it's going to be hard to beat Bryce Mitchell. It certainly is. Uh, Ian Parker, fight of the year. I feel like oh, Kelvin wait, John, Gastelum. Wait, 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 John. I got one more for submission. Can I throw one more Go out ahead. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So, Kenny, I, I, you're going to laugh at this one, but John and I, I mentioned this to John earlier, Paul okay. Craig, the Bear Jew, with that last-second triangle, he was being dominated that entire yes. fight. I think even the first two rounds might have been 10 eights on him, and with one second left to get a triangle and to get the tap, I think that deserves a loose nomination. What do you guys think? Yeah, all right. We will give Paul Bear Jew Craig a nomination for submission of the year. Uh, we're going to quickly move through the rest and not steal all the thunder of the fifth annual AFA Awards coming up Monday, January 6th, live on YouTube and on the Anakin Florian podcast page on iTunes. Fight of the year. Kelvin Gastelum and Israel Adesanya at UFC 236. I feel like it's top five for me all time. You had Brian Barberina and Vicente Luque earlier in the year. Donald Cowboy Cerrone against Alexander Hernandez. Lawler and Askren went back and forth. Yoel Romero against Paulo Costa. Certainly worthy in this discussion. Platinum Mike Perry against Alex Cowboy Oliveira. Ian, am I leaving anything out? Any early lean for you on fight of the year for 2019? The only other one, maybe Mike Perry versus Vincente Luque as well. You know, uh, yep. anything with Mike Perry and Vincente Luque, I guess, at this point. But, no, if you yeah. had to give me the opportunity to pick one, I don't know how you don't pick Adesanya versus 
Kelvin Gastelum with the implications of that fight and just the way it went. It was just that's what you look for in a potential title fight or a number one contender fight. So that was the one I was leaning on. I agree with you guys on that. But, gentlemen, how can we forget about another fight that happened that night between Max Holloway and Dustin Poirier? That, that's the crazy thing is that whole card was just ridiculous because you saw Poirier and Holloway. You go, it can't get better than that, right? I mean, everyone was just trying right. to catch their breath. Right. And then Adesanya and Gaslam just go right at it, and you forget that that fight was also that night. Another potential fight of the year on the very same night with the belt on the line. So... Yeah, I mean, that, that whole night was just ridiculous, but Adesanya, Gastelum, uh, John, I agree with you. As far as title fights, man, top three for sure. I mean, you have Rory McDonald and Robbie Lawler up there. Uh, you have Adesanya and Gastelum in that top three. I, I, I re- It was that good of a fight, man. My favorite fight in UFC history is actually the rematch between Jose Aldo and Chad Mendez. Oh, that's for a me. great one. Absolutely. It was, one, it was exactly call. one week after you got married. Kevin I was Lowe, watching it. I was literally, I had reservations, and I'm watching it in the hotel lobby because I had Wi-Fi. I'm like, hold on, this fight is way too damn good. It was the rematch yes. in Brazil. Yeah. Mendez, right? It was in yep. Brazil again? Yeah. That, that fight was ridiculous yeah. and, and absolutely one of the best title fights. That, that's the top three right there. All right, so fight of the year nominees for 2019: Holloway, Poirier, Gastelum, Adesanya, Barbarina, Luque, Romero, Costa, mm. Perry, Cowboy Oliveira, and Perry Luque. All right, I'm going to give you each one of these categories because Ray Longo is not a man who likes to wait on hold. <laughs> Our Adam Snacks Geller male fighter of the year. If you don't know Snacks Geller, he was a valued friend uh, of both mine and Kenny's who passed away. He was a valued member of the UFC's production team, so we honor him on this program every year. Our Adam Snacksgeller Male Fighter of the Year. Kenny, feels like a two-man race without Asanya and Masvidal. I mean, normally this conversation comes down to the undisputed UFC champions, Kamar Usman. A lot of people you could consider. uh, Any front-runner for you for 2019 Male Fighter of the Year? Uh, man, it, it really, it's a race between both of those men. For me, uh, Masvidal, you look at what he's done this year and the way that he's done it doesn't get any better than that, really. Um, uh, but then Adesanya being the champion and then, um, you know, beating Whitaker in the way that he did, that classic against Gastelum, the fact that he's been undefeated, the fact that, you know, he's done amazing things in the last two years and now really took it up in a, yet another notch this year. Um, and as a legitimate superstar in the UFC, it, it's hard to go against one of those guys. I mean, uh, right now I'd be leaning towards Adesanya. All right. And Ian, in terms of female fighter of the year, I'd like to throw out Zhang Wei Li for breaking through and becoming China's first undisputed UFC champion. Amanda Nunes, Valentina Shevchenko, uh, anybody else I'm forgetting for female fighter of the year? I don't think so. I think it's kind of okay. hard, uh, Anyone other than that, I, I think you named all three. Those are the three, okay. and I think Amanda's going to lead the way there. All right, Ian, before we let you go, we've had a category in the past called hottest male fighter, okay? And this is a – some people get a little bit offended. It's a looks competition. We're trying to come up with the most attractive male fighter. We don't do this for women, I think, for obvious reasons. I gave it to Tyron Woodley a few years ago. I think he's a very attractive he, man. Does Ian uh, you know? know? Does Ian know he can't vote for me because I'm, re- I'm retired? Does yeah, he know that's that? right. That's I right. was just going to ask. I was just going to ask. Are commentators Sorry, and, bro. and retirees uh, involved in this? Yeah. No. 
So, Kenny, obviously, that's the first question our listeners ask. I mean, how could you not? I mean, maybe we'll name it the Kenny Florian (laughs) Hottest Male Fighter Award. But anyway, let us know at Anik Florian Pod if you're either offended, if you like the category, or if you have a nominee. And uh, we will let you know two weeks from today uh, who is our 2019 award winner for Hottest Male Fighter. Uh, Those AFPAs will be sent in the mail, by the way, to all the winners. All right, Ian Parker, great stuff all year long. Uh, Main event challenge might get a few tweaks next year, but uh, the plan right now, I mean, i got to talk to Kenny offline, but the plan right now is is to bring you back as the guy, and, uh, you know, I think you've you've certainly earned your seat. I appreciate that. I'd love to be back, and uh, it was a great competition. Came down to literally a 5 o'clock in the morning situation, which... uh, yeah, well, you know, it would have been cooler for a different card to end it on the year, but it was awesome. It was an honor. Kenny, you're the man. John, I appreciate it. TJ, eh. Um, but other than that, it's been an honor. <laughs> oh, uh, the duck. Ian Parker. Great the, stuff, the, buddy. The, Thank the you. The duck or the dick? Duck. Oh, duck. Yeah. You're right. Duck. Sorry. I make one comment so, all year. I get it. I'm the dick. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, TJ. I love you. Your production, TJ, I will tell you, your quality, amazing. You're the man. And I appreciate of all the duck sounds, you at least gave me one that wasn't too weird. It was a pretty quality uh, duck situation there, so I appreciate that. Can we hang up now? (laughs) Yeah, TJ, you call the shots. You can hang up now. All right, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It's just crazy. Like, my twin brother really thinks Ian sounds like a duck. I just (laughs) All right, today's Ray Longo Minute is brought to you by OddsShark.com. OddsShark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day. Head over to OddsShark and start playing like a shark today. OddsShark.com, don't forget that second S. And man, could I use all the help I can get when it comes to the National Football League right now. I am just cold as ice. Actually, not a bad 3-1-1 in the Super Contest, but uh, let's just say for my wife, if she's listening, there aren't going to be that many withdrawals from the uh, sports book in 2019. All right, let us now get to Raymond Peter Longo, the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And the great Ray Longo joins us now for the final episode of 2019. I bet Longo's podcast is live next Monday, December 30th, because those guys don't (laughs) miss a beat. They don't miss a week. Good morning, Ray. It's all about work ethic. All about the work ethic. I heard you were a guest on Unfiltered. How How did that go for you? Well, I, I told Matt Sarah's audience, like I told this audience, that he's out of his skull piece, you know, that he's completely out of his <laughs> mind. But no, it was good. We obviously, we did that We did that show together, and then uh, two days later, they called me on uh, on the UFC Unfiltered podcast. So uh, Man, it was good to chop I, up I'm, with him. Yeah, I'm so, glad, I'm so glad you got to see him up close and personal. So you know what I deal with on a, literally a daily basis. That's what I have to deal with. So I'm glad you have to I, and I, Well, and I, I, we even talked about it with Jimmy Norton that it's like he, I don't have the dosage of Matt Sarah that Jim does, right? So for me, <laughs> I can, you know. 
Small dose. No, I'm just kidding. We all love Maddie. What was interesting, though, is the <laughs> second question he asked me, and I can tell Ken Flo didn't listen to the interview, which is fine because you got better things to do with your life. But the second question he asked me is like, what's up with Ken Flo? You know, so uh, did we, yeah, did about, oh, nice. we did about 180 seconds on Kenny Florian and his television future and everything else. So that That's was good funny. for the uh, UFC listeners. Uh, you know? So, uh, so Ray, what's going on, man? What's uh, So, I mean, do you take some time off? I mean, Jim close it all this week. What's your holiday week hold? Uh, holiday week. I'm in the gym right now. Uh, so we're open today. Tomorrow, obviously, Christmas Eve, we're closed, but I come in to work out with a couple of people early, not early in the morning, but mid-morning. And then uh, Christmas, we're closed. Nobody's coming in. And then Thursday, we're back to the grind. We got a big uh, February. Marab just got booked with his fight. Uh, yeah, who's he February fighting? February 15th. We have uh, another kid, Nas, Nas fighting uh, February 1st, and about six guys on the ring of combat February 23rd. So we're jumping off. We're getting off to a really busy year. So, uh, uh, yeah, no no, no rest. I feel pretty good, though, so I'm happy about that. And uh, we're going to keep this train running, John, right into 2020. I'm telling you. Well, Marab, he's fighting Casey Kenny, who is the 14th-ranked bantamweight in the UFC. That's a big fight. That's a huge fight. He's really super stoked for that fight. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, I just love the way he just even look. At, I, well, what do you think, Marab? Ah, very tough. He's going to come forward. Very good. Make good fight. Good fight. Going to be very good. <laughs> I mean, he's just, yeah. you know, there's no apprehension. He's just all about the competition and going out and doing his best. He's really got such a great perspective on fighting and on life. It's, uh, you know, I said it a, a while ago. I'll say it again. I, I really learn a lot from him just listening to him talk. And, you know, sometimes if I'm getting out of control, you know, he just, he's got a way of saying, there's nothing you can do about it. Why get crazy? You know what I mean? But he's yeah. just, uh, he's a good dude. But yeah. That I'm, I'm assuming that's going to be a a, a, a freaking bond burner and a great fight. Oh man, that's a great fight. So, uh, so what about Chris Weidman? Have you had any conversations with him? I know it wasn't all that long ago. We were in Boston in October, but uh, when you look at him into 2020 and beyond, I mean, what what's your best guess as to what his future holds? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm really not sure. I mean, I, I I've been working out with him every day. Uh, and I'm not sure which way he's going with the 205 and the 185. I just, uh, you know, I've been, I have been, uh, he has been hitting every day and, you know, he is, he is focused, but I'm, I'm really not sure which way he's going. See, and I, I don't know if it's like, do you get a vote? But like when Paul Felder was considering moving up to welterweight, he reached out to some of us and asked us what division we thought he should proceed in. And I was adamant that it should be welterweight. If you know me, you know I don't you know, want to see guys cut extra weight and knowing how hard it is for him. And I proved to probably give him the wrong answer, right? Because he's gone on to get a main event in the lightweight division. It's certainly the, the division in which he can chase a UFC title. I just didn't want him cutting the weight. Like, will Chris ask you, like, what you think he should do? Oh, yeah, no, no. I think, you know, like, even when he did 205, no, we're, we're, we talk about it, but we haven't, I mean, the last couple of weeks, like, maybe because of the holidays and everybody's been running, running around maybe, but uh, we just haven't sat down and really had, like, a, you know, which way he was going, you know what I mean? So, yeah, uh, I still think he's got to get cleared on a couple of things and, uh, and then we'll take it from there. But, uh, 
I'm not. I'm, I'm not even joking around. I'm not even sure. You know. No, I'm sure. I just think it's uh, it's interesting to see what because I still would advocate 205, but that doesn't necessarily put him on a championship trajectory the the way maybe one win at middleweight might. Uh, all right, before we let you go, did you wake up early to watch Frankie Edgar on uh, on ESPN Man. Plus? Yeah, I did. I actually did. I was uh, that was a tough one. Um, and I think Frankie's another guy, man. I, you know, I'm, uh, he has another, he's got nothing to prove in this sport. Anybody who knows that guy, he knows he's a competitor. He's fought the best of the best. He's fought in a yeah. couple of weight divisions. Uh, I, 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 we were talking about, I, this I talked about with Chris last night is why he made that decision to go fight in South Korea as opposed to just waiting and fighting Sanhagen and trying out, you know, the new weight at 35. I'm not, I was just unsure of that, but, you know, I was hoping it worked out for him, but it, but it didn't. And, uh, that was a, that was a rough one, you know, but, uh, I would have liked to have seen him at 35. I just don't know where, what that fight got him, you know, and it was only a month away for the other fight. So I, you know, Chris was saying like, he's a company guy and they needed a guy and he just jumped in there, which that's cool. You know, if that's the case, but, uh, you know, he's, uh, I think he's got to pick and choose, you know, who he's fighting at this point. Well, the company had options, right? I mean, Calvin Cater threw his name into the hat, and even though Cater isn't 100% healthy and might have to go under the knife in his own right, you know, I think from a Vegas perspective, from an odds maker's perspective, that fight might have actually been closer on paper. You know, they went with Frankie for more reasons than one. I guess Kenny and I didn't see, the huge risk maybe that you did. And I'll let Kenny chime in here, obviously, but I guess I just felt like, you know, if you're getting $350,000 to show right in theory, you can maybe still have the Sanhagen fight. If you look at it as just a, a sparring session, a glorified sparring session, that's just really far away. Um, I, how do, it doesn't hurt his Bantamweight contention. Any, I just, I don't know that it hurts him that much and it certainly doesn't hurt the bank account, you know? No, no, it doesn't hurt the bank account, and that's fine, but it hurts the physical account. That That's the problem. I think he took a, yeah. a couple of bad shots in that fight, and the older you get, man, you're not shrugging that off like you're 25 years old anymore. You could, you could yeah. see that was it was almost a replay of the um, the main fight, but his, his brain was telling him what to do. His body just couldn't pull it off. That's what I was looking right. at. And, yeah. you know, the older you get as a lighter guy, that shit becomes rougher and rougher. You know, he is 38, and for a little guy, I think that's that that's old. I just would have liked to have seen him, you know, I, I, I just wanted to see what would have happened at 35 to see how he would have did, and I think, you know, he's not the biggest guy around, and he's, you could still see he had the speed. Um, so, I don't know. That was, a, you know, that was a, he's a big puncher, the, the Korean zombie. So Oh, no doubt. Uh, yeah, Kenny, what was your thought on that? Yeah, you know, I, I think that as far as taking the fight, he had nothing to lose because he knew he was going to go down to, <clears throat> excuse me, 135 pounds. But um, I agree with you on the physical account as far as taking on a big, heavy-handed yeah. fighter in Korean Zombie. He did have something to lose in that regard, and you know, people always say, "Well, Frankie's, ne you know, he's only been knocked up by Ortega." Yes, that's true, but he has had a lot of fights. He has one, what, one of the most, if not the most amount of uh, octagon time? Yes, uh, right? hours exactly. upon hours. Yeah. Hours upon hours. So just because you're not getting knocked out doesn't mean your body isn't taking damage. And you talk about, you know, as far as the training and all that stuff. So 
Yeah, it, it was a tough one, uh, Ray. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of times uh, you take certain risks, especially when money's getting thrown at you. you. You feel like, oh, you know, I can go in and make, you know, over a million dollars in, you know, uh, a month's time. That That's that's pretty attractive for a lot of guys. And, yes. Um, yes. You know, yes. Frankie's, Frankie's one of those guys that deserves all that money because of what he's accomplished in this sport. But 100%. It, it's, it's, it's hard to see a guy like a Frankie Edgar get hurt like that at this stage of his career and um you know he's definitely at the end of it but um i you know in frankie's mind with all of his pride i know he's chasing that belt at 135 pounds and you know what he just might get it um i, I just hope that uh he takes that safe route to, to that belt yeah no that, that that was really like kind of my point just you yeah. know uh like again nobody knows anybody's money situation and you're right to make a million dollars in a couple of fights is is good money, but you know, like again, I'm just, you know, what it is. I, I think as I get older, I'm being more uh, trying to be more protective because I realize how important yeah. health is over money, and it really is. 100%. I mean, it's just like it's a cliche, but I, there's guys that lose their health that would sacrifice any amount of money that they had. And yep. These are millionaires that would yep. give it all just to be healthy again, and that that's where I'm kind of coming from. And sometimes you don't see it when you're in your 30s. You hear it, but like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at that point now where that's like my number one priority. And again, it's two totally different things. But you know, this is a vicious sport, man. It is unforgiving, and the damage you really have to be careful about. And look, I deal with it over here too. You know what I mean? So it's uh, you can't. <clears throat> obviously, you can't make these guys do anything they don't want to do. But I just thought he had a nice fight with Sanhagen. It was a month away. Unless yeah. they threw him like that extra money to get out, you know, to you know, to go to North, South uh, South Korea was that's not a you know it wasn't like he was going to uh, Vermont to fight, you know. Of so course, of course. That was that was against yeah. them too, you know. There was a, I think there was just a lot against them, uh, against an up and coming guy who who throws hard, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I wish it would have worked out for him because everybody loves Frankie, um, and uh, just. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, an extra couple of hundred thousand at the end of the day, it sounds like a lot of money, but if, you know, it might not be, you know. Right. And, no. and can I say this? Frankie Edgar, don't you cut your hair for anybody. I <laughs> like the extra lettuce. <laughs> I like the extra lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a new look. Too. I think it looks that's good. Aw- <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was the other can't. thing, too. The size difference looked huge in there. Like, I think I, oh. Frankie was already preparing for 35, and he was on his way down and, you know, probably staying low. So I think he looked even smaller. And I don't know if that was just me or I might be imagining I, no, I that, but uh, it just I think he was, you know, he was a month away. He was probably watching his diet. He just looked like he gave up a lot in that fight as far as size. Yeah. Also, I, I got to say, I remember the first time I met Korean Zombie, um, I was probably around 180 pounds and I was face to face with Korean zombie. He probably had, uh, maybe a, an inch on me as far as height. And he looked wider than me. I couldn't yeah. believe that he makes 145 pounds. He looked massive. I mean, I had a brutal cut down to 145 pounds, but the Korean zombie is very big for his division. There's no, no doubt, doubt about yeah. it. And Frankie is probably a legit 35er. I don't know. I mean, yes. so yeah, I agree with Without you. Without a doubt. And that's the beauty of Frankie. Look at all he's accomplished at 55. Yeah. You know, and then the fights he's, I mean, the guy is incredible. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, I just hope he makes the right decisions because, 
We know he's a warrior. We know that guy loves to compete. And again, his speed looked good. You know, he you know he ran into a couple of counters that you know you know that didn't work out for him. But I mean, you could still see he was he was booking. You know, so you know he's got a he's got a tough room over there too. He, but Mark's got a lot of talented guys, so the sparring sessions have to be brutal too. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think all of that has to be taken into consideration. Well, uh, we just want to let you go and wish you Merry Christmas to you and the entire Longo family, to, to all the girls and all your dependents out there and everything else, buddy. We, uh, we appreciate having you along, and uh, we're taking next week off. So uh, the check is in the mail, as they say. And uh, <laughs> Happy New Year if we don't talk to you. And I, yeah. And I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I love the both of you. Hope you have a healthy, happy uh, holidays with your families, and Merry Christmas to both of you. And let's 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 come out of two thousand. Let's go into two thousand twenty swinging for the fences, Kenny. Let's go. Let's Telling go. You. Let's do it. I was actually thinking about a lazy twenty twenty, and then hitting real hard in twenty twenty one. I'm trying to be realistic, you know. John, let's go. You let's let's, let's come out swinging because I might not be let's here in twenty one. So let's let's can we get through twenty twenty first? Stop well, dude, right. like parenting is just so fucking hard. Like if you're if you're oh, no, a parent out there, Absol- just God absolutely bless you, man. brutal. You know, that's yeah. all I'm gonna say. Ab- you know, absolutely brutal. I, I empathize <laughs> with you. Thank <laughs> God I'm, I'm past that now. But it, I don't know if it gets much easier when your kids get older, because you know they, right. you know, you know the saying: little kids, little problems; big kids, big problems. It's right. Uh, right. It's always, it's always something. It is, it's always something. You'll never you'll each never have kid, a good night's sleep again. You're always going to be each, worrying about something. Each kid's <laughs> like a five round war, John. I and you did. It is I, well, right. And, and I'm not that mentally or physically tough to begin with. It's a real fucking struggle. <laughs> no, hey, I, uh, listen. Honestly, nothing. I mean, to do it right, nothing is tougher than parenting your kids. Nothing. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, uh, have a great week. Have a happy holiday, and we'll talk to you two weeks from today, okay? Uh, awesome. And have a happy New Year, too, if I don't talk to you. Thank you, buddy. You, too. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, guys. Take it easy. There he is, Raymond Peter Longo, every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. I think it, it's tough, Kenny, these fighters, and I'll sort of close on this. Late in career, right, when the money traditionally is as good as it ever been right for michael bisping hey if i just make this quick turn and if i just make weight in china against kelvin gaslam i can bring my family you know half a million bucks or whatever it is and i just think late in career when the money's good and you have dependents and your kids are getting older you know you sit down with your wife and you say look i make this fight in korea you know i was scheduled to fight this guy once before you know i'll come home with 400k and maybe i can fight Corey a month later you know it's like i just I don't know. I just I feel for these fighters, especially the ones who have big paydays late in career. It's like you want to strike while the iron's still hot. Well, well, that's it, right? I mean, you have these opportunities. These are things that passed you by early on in your career. You're being offered these things where you can make a ton of money in a short amount of time. Um, yeah, it, it's hard to turn those things down, especially when you know those opportunities don't come around all the time. You only have a certain amount of time uh, to compete at the highest level. Um, you know, it's hard to, to fault Frankie for taking that. But, um, you know, this is a guy who really has done it all already. I, I hope he gets paid a, a ton more money. Um, it's just, you know, these likable guys like Frankie Edgar, these legends that have been around, you just don't like seeing him get hurt. So that I think that's more than where we're coming from more than anything else. But uh, Frankie will be back. He'll be tougher than ever. And, uh, you know, we always wish him the best. And, and um, you know, 
it, it's a tough thing for any professional fighter. That's what you're working your whole life towards, and you're getting offered that money. How do you say no? Yeah, I mean, and this is not any grand proclamation about Frankie Edgar and whether or not he can get back on a championship course at Bantamweight in the UFC, because that is entirely possible. I just know for yeah. you, right, your back intervened, obviously, but for yeah. you, largely, if you were not going to be fighting for titles, uh, you weren't going to stick around, you know, so... Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for this week, and that is going to do it for this year. Thanks to everybody for listening. Don't forget, the new YouTube channel is live. It is Anakin Florian Podcast. It is not the UFC on Fox YouTube channel, so subscribe and watch, and hopefully we'll have plenty more content pushed out for you in 2020. Thanks to TJ DeSantis for all the hard work, for Ian Parker, Ray Longo, Ken Flom, John Anik saying so long for now. We are back Monday, January 6th, after the bye week 2020, and we will bring to you the fifth annual AFPA Awards. Until then, have a great week. Happy Hanukkah. Kwanzaa, Merry Christmas, whatever applies. Love y'all. Take care. Don't text and drive. Yo, fuck it, baby. Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.